This is American Steel, a podcast dedicated to just being relevant and truthful about what's happening in our world today, uh, hopefully inspiring you. Uh, thank you, uh, as always, for the support that you've shown listeners. I hope you enjoyed this segment. This is a special segment. This is an unfortunate segment, but it wasn't planned, obviously. Uh, we've been trying to have uh, Mr. Jonathan Barry on the podcast for some time now. Uh, Jonathan, Mr. Barry is the safety coordinator for Murray County Public Schools. And Mr. Barry, how are you today? I'm doing good, Dr. Steele. Glad to be here. Well, I appreciate you being here. Uh, I've been in uh, in this system for uh, not even a year yet. I've just been very appreciative of the work that you do with all the schools trying to keep everybody safe, and I really want to dive into that. But of course, we're also on the um, just recently the back end of a school shooting in Nashville, a tragedy in Nashville, and I definitely want to get your take on that. Uh, but Mike, uh, you're also with us today. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Well, thank you for uh, uh, being our engineer today. Uh, Mr. Barry, just real quick, tell our listeners a little bit about your background and uh, how you became to be the coordinator of school safety. Yes, well, I'm, uh, well first and foremost, my name is Jonathan Barry. I, I came to Columbia in about 2004. I began my career in law enforcement with the Murray County Sheriff's Department here in 2005, stationed as an SRO at EA Cox in Spring Hill High School until 2013, and left and took the same positions in Williamson County uh, in 2013. Uh, became an administrator, well, just a correction, uh, supervisor for Williamson County, everything south of 840 for the SRO unit in 2017. And got out of law enforcement in 2019 when I was offered the job as Safe Schools Coordinator in Murray County. Okay. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of background in law enforcement, firearms training and whatnot. So when you came to the coordinator position for a school safety coordinator, did you have any idea how broad that responsibility would be? Yes and no. I work close with my, uh, my, my current colleague, Michael Fletcher in Williamson County. School safety is a all hazards approach. What gets the most attention is the active shooter part of that. Right. Um, but involved in school safety is also weather, um, environmental factors, and several other things that we you know we have to take into consideration to keep our kids safe and 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 uh, parents and and teachers as well. Yeah, so like uh, parents and those that are listening out there, you have uh, railroads railroad uh, stations coming through, uh, trains coming through with chemicals. Uh, if what would happen if one of those turned over? What is the response if you have weather coming through? We've had. Recently, we had weather coming through, and Mr. Barry was having to send out emails and make phone calls and check on uh, buildings, security, all sorts of things when the weather comes through. So, uh, yeah, active shooters obviously get the most attention, uh, and probably as they should, uh, but there are day-to-day dangers potentially if uh, you're not careful. Absolutely, and before before we go too far, I'd like to give a shout-out to our colleagues down, Ben Luna down in uh, Lawrence County of Tennessee Valley Weather. We, we, we rely on them heavily. Uh, for weather information but as you said there are other factors that, that come into play with safety um, if you go to spring hill middle school you step outside the door look to your left there's a main railroad spur that goes from spring hill to nashville that's how all the cars get out of here well if you drive nashville highway you see that huge battery plant that's going in next to spring hill high school it's enormous we'll have some discussions about that we have to take that into consideration yeah. as far as responses if something happens there and just throughout the district, but those are two that come to mind. Now that that battery plant's close to several schools. Right? Yes, and you know, and I, and I talked to my colleague in Williamson County uh, just yesterday, and, and due to the proximity of that battery plant to some of the Williamson County schools, there may be a factor depending on which way the wind blows. If something were to happen, I don't know exactly what happened. I'm not an expert on what they got going on over there, but I, I'm sh- we, we will get to that point where we talk to those guys about any any hazards that they may have at that plant. Now, when you when you got into this position, I mean, with you, you had extensive law enforcement background, but did you? Is there a training for someone that holds your position besides just normal annual conferences? Not that I know of. Maybe just experience in in, in mother districts. People in my position are doing a multitude of other things. You may have a, a, like a reading coordinator that's also tagged as the safety coordinator, right? Uh, myself and, like I said, my colleagues in the area, we're fortunate enough to have, you know, specifically law enforcement and security backgrounds. And well, anything else. I did go to school to be a teacher. That is my okay. background, but right. I didn't. I got into law enforcement. 
Well, I'm thankful for that. So you're sitting there one day, and all of a sudden you realize they're building this massive battery plant, and that becomes now that becomes part of your uh, concern, for lack of a better word. That becomes part of your responsibility, concern to evaluate how that could impact a school if something were to happen. It is. We take that consideration. We do yearly uh, emergency operations plans. And when that plant comes online, that'll be something that we take in consideration in our response to to the school or an evacuation of our school for that. Jonathan, I was sitting there one day eating lunch with some colleagues. Uh, I, everybody knows I'm an educator here in town. Um, I, I distinguish this podcast from my other duties as a principal. I remember sitting there with a, a several staff members and then hearing about Sandy Hook. Uh, went into the restaurant, ordered, and then when I heard we heard about Sandy Hook before the food arrived, I couldn't eat. That was it. That was done. There was tears. There was leaving and just being stunned um, at what took place at Sandy Hook. And then, lo and behold, now it's hit a lot closer to home because here it is in Nashville. Um, so this is one of those things, again, you'll never forget where you were when you heard the news that this happened. But wh- where were you and what was your response to that? Sandy Hook, I believe that was December 2012, sometime in that area. I was actually an SRO at Cox Middle School at the time. Okay. And those particular incidents with Sandy Hook is what caused one of our bigger school systems in the most prominent area of our Middle Tennessee to go to SROs in every building. Williamson County did not have SROs in every building. Murray County did at the time. Just was not heard of. And having those in every school here in Murray County is a testament to the the people who led before us, Enoch George in particular, who got SROs in every building here. Yeah, very impressive. And then also, I think I told you before at the beginning of this year, where the SROs come and they come to the principal meeting and everybody meets and talks and collaborates. You um, been doing this? I've been doing this a minute. I used to be an SRO. That doesn't normally happen, Mike. I'll tell you that. that just where there's a, a lot of collaboration. A lot of times there's some fragmentation as opposed to collaboration, mm-hmm. but. Uh, and Murray, it's really, really uh, well done uh, with the sheriff's office uh, and what the SROs do here in Murray County. Yeah, uh, I, I'm familiar with uh, what was done in Mount Pleasant and in Cullioca, the two schools that I, I taught with or I taught in uh, Murray County. And in both of those schools, our SROs were, were fantastic. They were on top of things. They were uh, always visible in the hallways. We knew that it, you know, it was literally going to be seconds. If, if we had a problem or something like that and we put the word out that we needed help, that it was literally going to be seconds before they could get there, you know, and, and it would, or by the time they would get there. So I felt very secure. But they also did a great job in just interacting with the kids and seeing problems before they became problems. Yeah. that That's one of the things I was most impressed with. Uh it takes a different level because you have to be able to balance that relationship with kids and parents and just talking in general and all of a sudden going to something that's an emergency. Um, I feel I feel awesome about the SROs I work with that they would definitely run towards the threat. So, John, uh, Jonathan, you're, people usually call you JB, so I'm going to call you JB. That's so, fine. JB, so uh, this uh, this shooting in Nashville um, – you're you're doing your daily routines and all of a sudden this happens and you have to go in like a to a alert mode is that is that fair yeah i was sitting in uh, my office and a buddy of mine who's an air marshal sent me a message i believe he was 30,000 feet above the us at the time and he said have you heard about this in nashville i said no i haven't i haven't so i looked it up and nashville at the time was calling an active intruder actor a- active intruder i think was the they didn't say active shooter i can't right. remember the terminology okay. used so i thought hmm, what's this maybe the person doesn't have a weapon maybe they have a, a some different type of weapon other than a gun we now know that it was a, a weapon and yeah that day you know we we, we got our ear pin our ears back a little bit and, and, and got on more focus we, we're on a, we're on alert every day all of our guys are uh but when something like that happens 35 miles 40 miles up the road Hey, it's it's a uh, it's a go time. Let's uh, do a sweep real quick and figure out what we got going on here to make sure that we're safe. Yeah. So, JB, tell us a little bit about the relationship that the uh, you have with the sheriff's office and the training that you uh, are that is combined and or the mission parameters that the school and the sheriff's office does to really uh, make sure that our schools are safe. Yes, in my position, I'm the direct li- liaison between all law enforcement in the county. However, my in my role, my relationship is stronger with the county SROs. And in that, I um, make sure they have what they need to do their jobs within the school system. In addition, 
we provide funding through the Safe Schools Grant for them to go to specialized training every summer as the Tinsrow Conference. It's the Tennessee Association of School Resource Officers. There they get their post credit, and they also receive specialized training in school-based violence. Yeah, so that's outstanding. And, you know, honestly, uh, Mike, I would tell you, uh, you know how – you know, I'm pretty transparent, I'm a very transparent person, but I got to be tell you how proud I am of our school board and our uh, leadership at the school district uh, for prioritizing safety in our schools here in Murray County. Yeah, I was I, I was always very uh, comfortable and very, very confident that, that we were as safe as we could be. Now, you know, again, there's that understanding that no environment is completely safe. The only safe, completely safe environment, and even that's a little sketchy at times, is a prison. Right. We don't want it. We don't want a prison. In our we schools. don't want our schools to look like right. Prison. That's exactly it. So the, there's, the, you know, the, you learn to mitigate risks as much as eliminate them. And that's a key and, word we use a lot is we, yeah. we mitigate risk. And uh, so and, and with, with with that thinking, you know, you you want to keep people from getting into the buildings. Right. Then God forbid if they were to get in the buildings to cause harm, you want to mitigate loss. Put as loss. many barriers between them and you as you can. Yes, and, sir. And, uh, and then we've had a lot of parents and stuff calling this week, yeah. and they're worried about the things and what the, those parents don't realize. And I wish to assure them and, and, and put their minds. We look at this every day. We research every day. We have things in place, and some things we can't. We're not. We're not going to talk to you about. Uh, one of the things I had a question today about was how the intruder got into the Covenant School. Well. We've had plans in place for over five years to keep that from happening. I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is, but I can promise you that that the threat's been mitigated in Murray County. Yeah, and so that's why I, you and I talked on the phone yesterday, JB, about that particular thing you're talking about. I just wanted, to, and so I, I was actually making sure through the coordinator, our safety coordinator, that sharing certain information about protocols we have in place to keep our kids safe. It's not necessarily, it's, uh, it's not intention. It's, it is intentional that we keep certain things from people that, uh, so it just doesn't get out there. There's no need to have it out there. Just know that there are, uh, things that, uh, in place to mitigate someone from get, and gaining access into the building so quickly and so easily. Uh, and then you come to the response and the training of your SROs and then your school. So, uh, at the Catholic school in Nashville, I, I, I've seen the videos, and I, I just got to tell you, uh, I've se- I thought the school did an amazing job. Yes, given the situation, yes, they did. And I'll tell you what, and hats go off to Metro PD, yeah. uh, how, how, how they handle that threat. You know, anytime the babies are involved, they, they went straight in. And, you know, to use law enforcement terminology, they found the threat and they neutralized the threat. And I promise you, all of our SROs and deputies and police officers in Murray County are trained the same way. Matter of fact, I was with Bucky one time, and he said, if you're not willing to do that, we'll put we, you somewhere else. We don't, yeah, we don't need you there. One of the things that I was most impressed about was, as I watched, and I've watched the, the video multiple times and stuff, was the idea, because of the way they refer to each other, it was blue shirt, brown shirt, uh, green shirt, this or that. These guys didn't know each other when they started. No, and I'm not sure the and, exact number that of police officers yeah. Metro have. I, I, I'd say maybe 1,300, but, maybe more than that. Yeah, but this wasn't a team that had trained together. Right. But as a team, you could tell it was a team that had trained. Well, our, and, and they went in and they knew their they knew their steps, they knew their protocols, they knew okay, you do this, you do this, you do this, and they moved quickly, they moved efficiently. I mean, uh-huh. I was just amazed in. But they didn't know each other's names. Yeah, I'm an old football guy. You, 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 practice, you play like you practice. And those yeah. guys have obviously practiced those techniques. Yeah. Uh, and with calling out the blue shirt, that's yeah. easy way to do it if you don't know each other. Right. You know, and we used to be trained that you sit there and wait for a team to go in. Not anymore. Yeah. First man on scene, first man Get in. in. Yeah. And well, when you shots, go yeah. to it. I just felt like they, they have rewritten. Uh, they've given us a visual of how to respond. And so now the book is going to be rewritten for any yeah. further incidents that we're we're definitely going to see in the future. But it also highlights, and I and you know, Mike, on this podcast, I never try to paint anybody into the corner. I'm not trying to ever attack anybody. But at the same time, it does highlight the lack of response for so many other school shootings. Yeah, well, and, and but there's also uh, honestly the uh, I guess the attitude of attacking the problem has changed dramatically. I, I can remember years ago, it was contained and yeah. talked down. Yeah, we used to just think yeah. of diamond formation. Yeah. we got to wait know, for four it, guys it was, to do that. Yeah, it was containing and talked down, you know, try to try to diffuse the situation and, and stuff like that. Uh, now it's eliminate the situation <laughs> yeah. because, you know, they, they have found out waiting it costs more lives. 
and, and they've, they've had to learn the hard way, but they have learned. That's, that's one of the keys. And, um, like I said, it, the, you know, someone put a stopwatch on the video from the time those men went in the door to the time the threat was eliminated was just over three minutes. And that was checking four extra rooms and going yeah. through they about, a couple about 200 feet of hallway. Yeah. And they did it in less than three minutes from the time the first call came in to the time the threat was ended was 14 minutes. That's a great – And that's, that's amazing. That's amazing on, on response time. I think that when uh, everything is known that those uh, – the one that was leading the, the leading those in, uh, officers in, I, th- I think that was the Marine vet. Is that right? Not sure of his Not background. Sure. I just I, – One of them was a Marine I, vet. And I, what, I, what I saw was just – Well, was, I'm going to tell you it was a warrior mindset, and that's yeah. how we asked right. our guys to train. Yeah, it was, have, it was I need three, I need three, I three, go, Let's go, go. We <laughs> have some military guys, but you don't, you you don't have to be a military guy to have yeah. that warrior mindset. Yeah. And uh, – Yeah, they, they went after the and problem. And then they went in, it. And, and it wasn't just a helter-skelter run down the hallway attack. Oh, no, it they was, were very, it was very, very methodical. Precise. It was very, you know. I was impressed with the lady outside giving directions to yes. it and basically in the line of fire. Yeah. It could have been because he was firing outside the window. Well, yeah. We haven't, you know, people don't talk about a lot. They were, she, the shooter, she was, she shot at a Metro police right. car down yeah. at the bottom yeah. and got the windshield. So. Yeah. Did they ever determine, uh, they ever publicize what kind of weapons she had? I, I, I all they from said, what they look like, they look like AR-15s, and one looked like a six-hour nine-millimeter. All I heard, uh, yeah, and of course, it's you know, assault style. Yeah, and that was rapid fire and large clip. So I know there's a lot of fear out there now. There, there always is following something like this, and now it's in our own community um, per se. So for our listeners, uh, there's a lot of things that are happening during the regular school year and the school day that uh, help with school safety, like some of the drills that schools are required to do by law throughout the year. Uh, JB, tell us a little bit about the drills and how we monitor our making sure our schools are running the lockdown drills, fire drills, and whatnot. Yeah, first and foremost, we always, you know, the dreaded fire drill. Now we (laughs) – They take away from yeah. the structure. I'm not, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a cop guy at first, you know, Dr. Steele is as well, but we don't want to get into a fight between the firemen and the, and the police, but we haven't lost a kid in, I don't know, over 20 in, years in a school fire. In at least, time. no, I think uh, it's know. closer to 30 years. Yeah. We've lost, uh, we lost three on Monday uh, to active shooter. However, we have to do those drills. And part of that drill is also in with the fire drill. Like you say, it's an evacuation uh, of the building we have to have a fire drill every 30 school days uh we're in so it's usually about six to seven drills a year tornado drills earthquake drills we're near the new magic fault line um intruder drills i said lockdown drills uh cprad drills and there's several other but i can't remember offhand but we, we get those done yearly mm-hmm. and it is uh documented in our security software it's called navigate 360 and every school building has a uh, emergency crisis plan absolutely well. yes You're yes where yeah we call it our EO, we call our, certain jobs yes sir we call it our and, eop uh, emergency operations yeah. plan so that's required uh, yeah and then each school has a safety team yeah where where they're we're assigned certain you know there's a person assigned to go talk to the policeman there's a certain person assigned to go talk to the parents yes. or go to the media and, and stuff like that so right. well uh, you i mean you establish your kim app host right. and then you have all these things in place including uh JB just sent out a thing to all the principals recently, a couple of days ago. We have to do a, safe, a security assessment every year by, by state law. Uh, and that it's a very in-depth survey that talks about the shrubbery outside, the lighting outside. It talks about a HVAC lot of— HVAC equipment. HVAC equipment. It talks about everything. Are your trash cans affixed to the ground outside? It really gets into detail that they put a lot of thought into the safety, uh, not just for active shooters. Of course, that's that's a, at a high uh, high level of importance, but for all sorts of safety hazards that potentially could happen. So um, for our parents and our listeners out there, there's a lot that's going into school safety. And as we mentioned before, we don't want to be, I don't want to be in a position to where we have uh, you know, chain link fences around the school, and it looks like we're keeping the kids in instead of keeping the bad guys out. Uh, so it is a balance uh, for sure to make people feel comfortable. We're going to take a break here on American Steel, and we will be right back. At 
Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can always count on us for a great selection of late model, low mileage, one owner vehicles. All have been thoroughly inspected and are ready to go. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Looking to sell your vehicle? Great news! We're paying top dollar for your trade. All makes, all models, and in any condition. Trade in and trade up today. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can count on us. Hi, Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. When you think of diamonds, what do you think of? Rare, precious, timeless, sparkles like the sun. They are timeless and nothing like them on earth. Then do you think, where do I buy local to buy the perfect ring? Maybe a diamond pendant or earrings or maybe a new diamond band. Look no further. Tillis Jewelry carries all your diamond and jewelry needs. Stop by and see our wonderful collection. And remember, if you don't know your diamonds, know your jeweler. Tillis Jewelry, downtown Columbia. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. This is Dr. Dominic Mancini from the Dr. Gill Center. Have you been injured in a car accident? Are you still in pain? Untreated whiplash injuries to the spine may lead to future conditions, such as neck pain, low back pain, and headaches. The doctors at the Dr. Gill Center specialize in detecting and treating these conditions before they get worse. Our accident consultations are free. Call me painfree.com or call 615-551-9224. Welcome back to America Steel, folks. We have Jonathan Berry with us, uh, the safety school safety coordinator for Murray County Public Schools. Thank you again, Jonathan, for being here. Oh, you're here. welcome. Glad to be here. Well, you know, we were just talking a little bit off air about the uh, how awesome it is to be in a small community like uh, Murray County, but then we started talking about the reunification process if there were emer- any kind of emergency at, at our schools. And I know that's something that you are like, Man, I, I hope it never has to happen, but if it does, we know we have some work cut out for us. Yeah, I hope and pray that something like that never happens here um, in Murray County. Uh, I would say to our listeners, though, if it were to ever happen, uh, the human element's going to come into effect here. And the, re- the, re- the reunification process is vital, and we must be calm um, in coming to the school to get your babies. We're going to hold on to them. We're going to make sure they're safe before we ever turn them loose. But that's going to be the most chaotic part of the whole situation, other than the you know actual incident that yeah. happens. JB, I uh, I wrote a book. I'm not sure you're familiar with. It. It's called No Excuses about School Safety. But I spent a lot of time in the book talking about uh, as a former SRO and now school administrator. And you've been a teacher and then a, a SRO before, police officer before, so uh, pretty similar. Mm-hmm. I talk a lot in the book about the importance of a quality relationship between the school's administration and the law enforcement that are on campus. Can you talk about that uh, in detail about how important that is and and for our listeners to understand how the collaboration makes the school safer? Well, it's vital that we have, that the school system has a good relationship with the local law enforcement. If not, uh, then we, then we, we wouldn't be able to do the safety things that we do. It's, you know, vital that the sheriff has a good relationship with Dr. or Ms. Ventura and that, the SROs have a relationship with their principals on board so they can kind of play off each other. You know, I do my thing over here, you do your thing over here, we'll come together and we'll make this school safer and we'll make any incident that happens go a whole lot better than, you know, it would if we didn't have that relationship. Yeah, and so I know the training is pretty um, – it's consistent throughout. I, I, I think we're, we're going to – we're about to go to a, a TINSRO. I've been to the FASRO in Florida School Resource uh, Conference, mm-hmm. and we're about to go to the Tennessee School Resource Officer. Yep. Uh, how, many, how many counties participate in that? I, I heard that our county is like 
has the most participation in that conference. We have a big participation in that. We have been doing that for, for quite some time, over 20 years, I know. Um, I don't know that we get – every year we get an officer from each county or administrator from each county, but I would dare say, I would bet a paycheck on it, that at least one officer from the county, each county in the state of Tennessee, has been through uh, Tinsrow. You'll see a lot of Sumner, Wilson, Murray, Williamson, Knox, uh, Knoxville City, uh, several from out west, a little, little, little less from out west due to the distance to travel, uh, but a lot of middle of Franklin County. Gosh, it, it, I tell you, uh, the, the second week or whenever it is we go up there in June, Pigeon Ford is well protected. Yeah, for that for that for those five days, uh, you're very well protected. Uh, you want you want yeah. your car's not going to get robbed at our hotel. I promise you. Well, and now there's going to be a whole new uh, topic uh, with this Nashville shooting. I'm sure there will be, and, and like we mentioned earlier in the sec- in the other earlier segment, that and I agree with you. I, I believe this this video of the Metro uh, response is going to be a uh, training aid for here on out. That's going to be the preferred response. I know that during the break we mentioned the response in Nashville versus the response in Uvalde. And uh not going to ever criticize any officers, but it's quite different, the response that you'll yeah. see. Um, in Uvalde, the shooter was allowed to come in the building unfettered, walk down a hall, unloaded rounds into those beautiful babies while you know law enforcement was arriving and then in the hallway. Um, had they pressed the fight, and that's the term I use, May have been a different outcome, but I think here here's the learning point in that officers across this nation saw that reaction to to the Uvalde shooting, and they said, "Heck no, that's not never that's again. never going to happen again." You know, we're 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 going to go to it. You know, losing one is losing too many, but if if we can if if we can keep it to just losing, you know, how I can't believe I'm saying this, but yeah. Nashville Monday could have been worse. A lot worse. And it wasn't. And God be with those those ones that perished. But, you know, thank God for what those guys did in the time that they did it. De- definite praise for Metro Police and their response. Uh, as you know, I was in Metro schools for 12 years, mm-hmm. and I had probably six different SROs throughout those years. They were all uh, – uh, high achievers all ha- understood what the expectation was moving forward with any kind of threat in the school. JB, you mentioned something that I wanted you. I I I have my own definition, but you said a warrior mentality. What does that mean for listeners who are thinking? What does a warrior mentality uh, consist of? Well, you know, we want our guys to, you know, like I said, say, we want them to press the fight. You know, our SROs are also they, they take a three pronged approach to being an SRO. It's one guidance counselor, officer, and. Um, Gosh, I can't remember the other way. A resource. Um, they're there to help kids. They're there to protect the kids. But they also have to have that, you know, that fight. Um, be willing to, you know, get pissed off at somebody that's um, that wants to hurt a child. And I say babies because I still get, I got a nine year old and a ten year old in the system. But my two high school girls are babies to me also that, at at, at um, CHS. You got to be able to turn that on. And take the fight to them. You cannot be a coward. Um, we used to train, and our, our training officers would be like, "Guys, have that warrior mindset. And go in there, take care of the threat. Hey, if you get hurt, we got the best hospital forty miles up the road at Vanderbilt. Yeah, you know. And yeah. I thought, well, you know, and we've got a pretty good trauma center just down the road yeah. here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> here, yeah, they'll get you. Yeah, yeah. you know, that, that, that's. And older officers, they hate training. I can't say that I liked it myself either. Who does? Yeah, it's not fun. It gets you outside your comfort zone, makes you breathe a little hard, and, and, and you go for it. But I tell you what, that muscle memory takes into effect. That mindset comes into play. You play like you practice, and those guys at Metro are a prime example of that. And if you do that each time and you have that confidence in, in, in yourself and, and in your partners, you know we'll take care of this stuff. Jonathan, I saw an article today. I, I think it's New Mexico. They're allowing teachers to carry guns in schools. What's uh, what is your take on that, and what's the latest on that concept? And here in Tennessee, that's that's not allowed. I know we have a lot of folks that ask that question. Um, me personally, um, I don't think necessarily it's a great idea, and for the simple fact that our officers and local law enforcement go through extensive training on how to operate their weapon, how to uh, shoot no shoot scenarios, weapon retention. 
and the list goes on. I do know that that could be a possibility in the future. And if it is, I would, I would ask that myself and the sheriff and whoever else in our school system have a, have a role in determining who it is, what they have to do and how they, what they have to do through to maintain uh, that weapon and maintain the ability to carry that weapon. Well, as, as, as a teacher, I'm, I'm hesitant about that situation simply from, you know, what I have at a shooting train, uh, shooter intruder training uh, I'd been to with our church. It was the idea that when those officers breach or when those officers get through that door, there is an adrenaline rush on that. They are amped up and they are moving towards conflict and they know they are. And they're looking for the first threat and if an adult, you know, they're, again, they're in a school, so they see an adult with a weapon, bang. <laughs> and that's that's the other thing. You, and, and, and I wasn't so, going to you know, say it, but you brought it up. You know, they're, they're, you, your your well-meaning teacher could be the one that gets popped because in the heat of that moment, well, I'm, uh, you, know, here, here, you, you look you look like an intruder with a gun. <laughs> and, I, and I urge listeners out there to go back and look on YouTube and, and watch that video and think. That officer went in, and if you're saying if what you're saying is true, he was a marine trained officer, and also a, a trained officer. Right. He did what I call slice the pie. He got out on the edge, saw her. Actually, saw her. I think he saw her reloading, mm-hmm. and unloaded on her. Now, it, like like you said, that could be a teacher. Yeah, standing there with with that weapon, and and, and guess what? Now you, you, you know that birth certificate might get revoked right there, and that's that's unfortunate, I, and that's and, my biggest fear. Yeah. Now, I there's also that. Okay, you know, we said 14 minute response, three mm-hmm. minutes from the time they breached the door. Okay, you do the math. There's nine minutes they weren't in there. Yeah, it could have teach, what could a teacher armed could a te- could an armed, armed teacher, teacher have done something? Yes, possibly. Mm-hmm. I think I, you the, know the th- those those are rare. those are situations that I think we still need to be more studied studied more and I think evaluated we more study and looked at it and training and, for and sure. But uh, I, I, I can say I'm not just just really fired up yet. About, I'm not sold on it. I, I'm not sold on it either. Army teachers for that fact. Yeah, and that's not me saying I don't want somebody protecting themselves. Don't I don't yeah. get in political in this that at all. I just, I just I don't think we're there yet. Uh, and if we all were. I'd want it to be select people. We'd ha- yes. I mean, I'd have. I'd want you equipped. Trained. You know, trained put on some very, sort very of visibility, well. something because it's it's dangerous. It's unfortunate, and, and I just I don't want anybody to get hurt. Yeah. Well, we definitely don't want to blame the gun for uh, what evil people do with guns, uh, and we definitely don't want people coming after our guns. That's for sure. But I'm glad to hear you gentlemen say that because I'm a, entirely as a former SWAT team member, now a school minister. I'm a, entirely against uh, opening up the possibility that just kind of anybody could have a gun. And, and then if you then if you narrow it down to a special team within the school, somebody, some t- teacher somewhere is going to say, well, that's not fair. I'm going to – I want to carry a gun too. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I know officers that only train with their firearm for mandatory annual training. They don't go out there and practice on their own. So tactically and, – and, again, kudos to the Metro officers. Their tactical procedures were really spot on. They were fantastic. So just, I'm going to shout out to them again. I mean, fantastic job to them for, for their response, but I am not at all uh, encouraged by having uh, teachers uh, having a weapon on campus. I I am a, I I would be a proponent of having um, people that are highly trained, having a safe in their office or in their classroom that, uh, that is bolted to the floor or whatnot, that only in times of emergency they might be able to access it, but then that would also have to be vetted very closely. Yeah, and you made a good point, though. You know, there are some officers that the only time they train with their weapons is a mandatory training. However, that officer is more tactically sound than somebody that just has a firearm permit. And, and, and no offense, people lose stuff all the time. Teachers are busy. I mean, teachers misplace our keys and their key badges all the time. Well, you misplace a Glock 9-millimeter central high school Uh uh-oh what do we do now and and i promise you that will happen i know officers that have uh left their weapons at a store before leave it on the toilet seat leave it on the toilet seat it it happens that don't get talked about in the news but you get back out your patrol car and grab your hip and go oh crap yeah it's 
It's, it, it, that will definitely happen, and, and then eventually there will be some kind of tragedy where somebody in the school uh, is breaking up a, a fight or whatnot, and they lose their weapon, and a kid now obtains a weapon. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I just, uh, I'd have to be very, very convinced. If if I ever had a vote, I'd have to be very convinced that it was a. And that and that was my man. that was my point on weapon retention, and this is, uh, you, I don't mean this ugly in any way, but we we have some we have some teachers, female teachers in particular, that are small in statute. Um, and we have some high school kids, big as any of us in this room, that could probably get that away from them, without a doubt. Yeah, and then there would be. So, J- JB, there are high school kids that uh, hate to say this. It could probably take yes. it for me. <laughs> yeah, there's some huge kids in school and yeah. strong, yeah. athletic. I mean, we're not huge. spring chickens anymore. <laughs> not spring chickens anymore. I, as a principal, I don't want to carry a gun in school. I wouldn't mind having access to one, and because I shoot all the time, and I, I wouldn't mind having access to one. Gosh, it's a, it's a, such a huge responsibility that I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand that responsibility. I'm all for mm-hmm. protecting yourself out yes. on the streets, but. Uh, but you, you, you there's just with, too many uncontrollable factors mm-hmm. in in a school setting that uh, just lend themselves to uh, mistakes being made by well-intentioned people, mm-hmm. and well, those those mistakes in a in a high-pressure situation, which a school intruder is. I mean, a school shooter, school intruder is a high-pressure situation. It's it just mistakes can happen very very quickly. Mm-hmm. Very, very easily, and in those situations, mistakes well, I'll tell are you, costly. And you, guys, you both know this. Uh, let's uh, let's kind of move away from the active shooter piece. But you have folks that come in to have try to get access to a child that aren't supposed to be having access to a child. They're court ordered not to have access, and so then we have our receptionists who are trained to take ID before they buzz. Uh, student, uh, anybody into the building without ID. And uh, we have people that come to the school, all schools, uh, all the time, trying to violate a court order or trying to get into the school to gain access. And I'm not saying that they're there for any evil intent, but you don't know that, and they're trying to gain access. So even something that is not as high level as a school shooting is a safety issue. So uh, for listeners and parents out there, when you look at a school's design and you see the, how the school's designed, there's a specific design mm-hmm. That uh, allows you to get one access into the building, and then you can't get to the rest of the building unless you are access, have access again. And that's why you're asked to show your ID. Yeah, sometimes you you know that you're a good person, and you know you're there for all the right reasons. But that's why we have those protocols in place, because it's not just the active shooter that comes to the school to try to disturb the school function or to do harm, potentially. Uh, it could be a number of scenarios where somebody's there for reasons that they shouldn't be. Yeah, absolutely. We're responsible for your babies when they come to our yeah. building. And you'll notice in some of our older buildings, we build what I call them man traps, and some people call them a weather vest or whatever. You know, when you come onto Murray County property, the levels of security start with fences, gates. Um, you, you walk up to the building, you press the button, you present your ID, you're brought into another section. Then you're directed into one of our main offices, into the main office, any one of our main offices across the campus. And then and only then, if you're vetted and then you get through the Raptor system, are you allowed to traverse into the building? And nine times out of ten, you're going to be allowed to do that without some sort of supervisor, supervision. You're going to have some kind of escort, yeah. And you'll be tagged also to come in. And our Raptor system is great, and you're not going to come in if you have anything that's suspect on your – on your record. Well, I'm a shout out to uh, my receptionist, Ms. Sharp. She does an amazing job of getting that ID. But uh, Mike, she ID's me. She ID's you. Mm-hmm. I went out to Spring Hill High School the other day to go on a field trip down to the to the uh, Capitol. I had my badge on, my ID badge on, and the receptionist still wanted my driver's license, right. which was fine with me. But I, we got kind of big laugh at it. So I heard someone say, "You know that that's uh, the principal from." Over at Central, and she's like, "Well, he's got to he's got to do like everybody else does and put his ID in that machine." Yeah, I, I, I had a similar situation where I had to go out to Cully. Uh, I taught out there for nine years. I got to the door, didn't have my media mm-hmm. badge with me, and that's the only ID badge I've got now. And it was kind of like, "Hey, you know, this is this, this is Coach Lyle, and, and I'm, <laughs> I'm here for the radio show." And she yeah. said, "And uh, she said, um, yeah, we don't. I care. need your badge, <laughs> you know." And, and I'm like. Oh man, it's out in the car. She goes, and she goes, I need your badge. And I said, okay, I'll, you know, I'll be back. Yes, yeah, I wasn't going to argue with her, well, and stuff, it. but it, but it, and then I, you know, especially reflecting on it this week, uh-huh. it was kind of like, man, I'm, 
you know, it's frustrating. Yeah, even though they know who I am, you know, mm-hmm. their office is very familiar with who I am and stuff like that. There's a protocol. We, we, and there's a reason for that protocol. We get yeah. caught up as adults, and we get in this rat race of this world with with our phones, and everything is instant gratification, this, that, and the other. And we we get upset and mad when we're inconvenienced or slowed down by anything. But think about this to you listeners. You know, are, are you really that inconvenienced when you have to pull your ID out of your wallet? Th- think about those beautiful babies, two girls and one little boy mm-hmm. that are, you know, not going home this week. You know, Easter Bunny's not coming to their house. But because of the evil in this world, and you, you'll get that idea out pretty quick. Yeah, it's also you know it shows consistency in the procedures. It shows that people taking their jobs seriously. There's a lot more to it than just you being inconvenienced uh, for, you know. So one of the things, JB, that uh, I know that you've sent emails out a lot, and I I also do it just sporadically. I do I've done it a lot already this year. Is lock your doors, close your doors, and lock them in the school. Uh, Uvalde. Correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of the classrooms were either propped open or wide open. Yes, sir, a locked door. Uh, like I said, we do security inside out and then outside in. That's another la- uh, another layer. Gates, fences, locked front door. Yeah, again, that's, locked that's interior a protocol door. had changed in the in the 20-some or 30-some years that I taught. It was, locked class yeah. door. Yeah, I've told locked, my staff locked on, door. and students numerous occasions that the majority of active shooters warned some – in this case, the, the lady warned her friend – not in time for uh, mm-hmm. alert to be made, probably, but they, there was a warning that this was going to happen. Report suspicious activity, and by for God's sake, please tell somebody if one of your friends says they're going to go do harm at a school. Yeah, the term we use is if you see something, say something. See something, yeah. say something. We'd rather check something out and be. And you're you know, not you're not yeah. going to be in trouble. You're not going to be made fun of or anything if you yeah, report something. Check hey, something out. And, okay, no, this is you know it's no big deal. All right, fine, great. If if Papa left Mama was a sack yeah. lunch out front, well then that's what it is. You know, it could have been a you know something else. So yeah, it, it takes no time to check it and investigate it, and and just to make sure that there is no potential threat there, and then move on. Um, so you listeners out there, just know that those things are happening in our schools here uh, locally, and that we have full-time coordinator, which is unusual for most school districts, especially the smaller ones. And as we mentioned before, you know, Metro is very confined. A lot of officers in downtown Metro, uh, but we're spread out a little bit here. So it would be a little bit different response if on the schools on the outskirts, but the training that would help mitigate any any uh, loss of life, uh, very, very confident. In. We're going to take a break here on American Steel, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, on 919 Nashville Highway or parksmotorsales.com. I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. We have advertised with WKRM and WKOM for the past several years and found it to be very successful. I highly recommend advertising with them if you have a local business like ours. We're located at 1608 Hatcher Lane here in Columbia. We're open Monday through Friday from 8 to 6 and Saturdays from 8 to 2. Stop by Holland's for all your prescription needs where we have fast, friendly, courteous service. We custom fit support hoods for you also. Thanks for supporting Holland's and WKRM and WKOM. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. 
The mules are back in town. Mule Day 2023, the wagon train departs on Wednesday, headed to Murray County Park. Attend all four days, Thursday, March 30th through Sunday, April 2nd. Mini Mania Show and the Log Pulling Competition Thursday at 12 noon with the Feed Time Race at 2 p.m. At 4 p.m., Jackpot Mule Races has some smoking fast mules, all competing for cash and bragging rights for the title of the fastest mule in Tennessee. Friday at noon is the Driving Mule Show, and at 6 p.m., the Gated Mule State Championship. Saturday is a big day. The Mule Day Parade on West 7th Street in downtown Columbia at 11 a.m. sharp. Then Pony Mule Pulling at noon. Mule Pulling Tennessee State Championships and the Skillington Draft Mule Show at 2 p.m. On Sunday, we have worship at 9 a.m., the Riding Mule Show at 11 a.m., and gospel singing at noon. Did I mention Friday and Saturday? Ham and white bean plates are only 10 bucks from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Visit MuleDay.com for a complete schedule of Mule Day events. Welcome back to American Steel, folks. We've uh, had the pleasure of having Jonathan Barry here from the Murray County Public School System to kind of give us uh, some um, some good information, some good intel on the, and make us more comfortable that our kids at school are safe. You know, uh, this this particular uh, lady was able to buy a lot of guns while under some kind of psychiatric care. So, you know, we don't really have – that's a whole other show, to be honest with you. But uh, then you got these uh, – crazies going down there for the day of vengeance or something or whatever that's supposed to be and the bottom line is we were talking off air uh, i don't put anybody on the spot but i'm going to say what i think uh you know I, I think mike you said it best it's not the gun that kills somebody it's a crazy person carrying a gun so um i think for those of us that love our children and love our safety and love our communities and, and we uh we need to keep fighting for what's right uh, taking guns is not right that's not the answer it's definitely a uh more um immediate response to evil people that people that would go do evil people that would hurt other people there should be more of an immediate response in our court systems and perhaps there's a conversation to be had about uh who can purchase a firearm especially if they're under some psychiatric care that's that's a conversation i'd be happy to enter into yeah we, we just need to be proactive in learning to head off problems before they become problems uh like i mentioned earlier the sros that's one of the most valuable things that they do yeah, is that you know they they put eyes on people and, and you know and they'll notice because they see them every day something isn't quite right so that's where they go to check it out and sometimes it's just a kid having a bad day yeah. and it goes on but most you know a lot of times I've seen I've seen a lot of fights I've seen a lot of issues right. headed off just because the SRO was aware enough to see that something wasn't quite normal SROs are doing great yeah. things every day and you know their role is not just to go be in a school building and to arrest kids for doing bad things. Yeah. Um, but I've seen a lot of good teachers do the same thing as well. You know, mm-hmm. again, the SRO is one person. He, he can do a great job, but he can't be everywhere at once. Nope. And that, that's like, uh, you know, you, you, in a, when you work in a school, you're a jack of all trades. I've seen our, mm-hmm. I've seen our custodian uh, pull a kid aside because they had a connection and, and talk the kid down. Or I've seen our cafeteria workers do an amazing job. It's kind of a, the, it's the whole village to raise a, a child concept, right? But, you know, I reached out to one of my former SROs uh, at Stratford, and I got the email address for um, the Marine vet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eventually get them all and send him an email just, uh, you know, just encouraging him because – and all of those folks over there, I, I know that they're not going to forget about the mental health aspect of – of everything that those officers did going in and seeing the victims and then having to take a life like that. It's very, very traumatic. I remember years ago going through a critical incident and uh, stress debriefing training with uh, Dr. Uh, Jeffrey Mitchell, uh, who's kind of the guru for critical incident stress response. Um, and it's back then when it first came out is very hard to get law enforcement officers to open up about, cause you know, you have, you got to wear this kind of badge of honor that you had that nothing impacts you. But I can tell you when you get them in a room and you really start uh, getting them to talk about it, it's an, it's a fantastic therapeutic value to be able to talk about such things. So I know that uh, Metro police has that in place. I know that in this community, there'd be a plethora of support for our officers, our EMTs, our firefighters, uh, if uh, it when and if they went through such a traumatic event, that is in place here. As a matter of fact, um, I've been part of critical incidents debriefing, um, and it is a good thing for them because we lose officers and first responders every day um, to the demons that they can't get rid of. 
uh, we lose them by their own hands or we, well, obviously by their own hands, but we lose them to alcoholism. We lose them to their highest rate of divorce. They don't see their kids because that stuff eats at them. And if we can prevent that, we all need to step in and help them do that. But yeah, they, there's place, there's plans in place and there's programs in place for our officers here locally. And I'm sure there is for the ones in Nashville. Yeah. And so I, myself, I know, uh, I, I just, I just learned that Jonathan, uh, is trained in critical incident, uh, stress debriefings. So you already listeners, you already have two people that, you know, you can call and it doesn't really have to be school related. If you're just going through something or you have a loved one that's going through something, if we can't help, then we know somebody who can help that really wants to help. And I just, again, I, I, I'm, I know, I feel very confident that these officers and those school personnel are going to receive the proper, uh, amount of therapeutic uh, treatment to uh, be able to recover from this. Uh, you never recover from it fully, but you can recover from it to where you can, you can go back and live uh, a normal life. Over the years, uh, unfortunately, I've lost a lot of students to violence over the years, um, some to suicide, mostly to homicide. It's a very, very unfortunate. And um, I, I was happy to speak to somebody every time, and I was happy to get counselors to come into my school to speak to my staff and to my students whenever we lost a student. And now you have an incident like this. There's going to be so many different people impacted. If you know somebody out there that's suffering from any any effects of this or any other kind of traumatic event in their life, please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, there's a lot of training out there, a lot of officers out there, a lot of departments have the trainings, have the teams in place that would be happy to assist you. Absolutely. Yeah, I've... Uh, in, in my experience, I've I've lost a few. You know, in the 34 years, I lost a few students. Most of mine, in fact, all of my students that I lost were due to accidents, type mm-hmm. things, situations, and that that in and of itself is is traumatic, it's horrible, uh, and, and stuff. I can't imagine being in a situation where the person, you know, I lost a student because somebody did something on purpose, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. you know, and, and that's um, so. You know, any any loss like that. Is, is going to need is going to need uh, a, a situation where everybody involved. It, it, it's something Jonathan mentioned earlier. You know, this there's there's more people down the road than, than just the, the the first responding officers. You've got the, uh, of course, you've got the teachers and, and stuff, but you've also mm-hmm. got the EMTs that had to follow up and take care of those kids. You've got the mm-hmm. people in the ER room who now you know the, here comes this child. Yeah, they know it's in coming with, in with mm-hmm. bullet holes in them. Yeah, and. They they have to make the assessment that I, there's nothing I can do here, you know, and, and they're they're wired to do something. They're wired to help, and, and they can't. And, and there's there's that frustration, um, you know. You, you've you've got really you know you got the parents, oh, yeah. and, and and quite frankly, as, as probably somebody most people don't think about or don't want to think about. You've got the parents of this of the perpetrator. Absolutely, they lost. They lost the child. Yeah, you know, not only did they lose their own child, but now they've got to deal with the specter of what their child did. They yeah. will always be and, a, a pub, of public interest at this point. The rest of yes, yeah. and, and you know, not only did they lose their child, but now they've got to deal with how they lost their child. Yeah, and they're being burdened of blame put on the, them. The, as yeah, well. the blame put on them, even as, though she was well. twenty eight years old. Yeah, so. You know, there, there's a there's a wide range of people that are going to be affected by this that that need that outlet to talk to somebody to get some help from somebody. There's some uh, preliminary, preliminary reports, just like in Sandy Hook, that the principal and the school psychologist, uh, you know, addressed the shooter uh, and unfortunately lost their life. There are some preliminary reports that the headmaster of this school did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, obviously, there's plenty of video that we haven't seen, but I eventually I think that you will be able to see uh, video confirming that she actually confronted the shooter. And I can't help but think that that saved a lot of lives and also halted the assault long enough for the officers to get there and then uh, and enter the building. Yeah, Absolutely. I- anything that, that- – can slow it down. Slow it down and and get time for the for the cavalry to get there it, it is a plus. Well, and I think when we're trying to sit here and define warrior mindset, all you have to do is look at that look at that headmaster. Uh, that's a warrior mindset. That's she had it. it. She already determined. You know, she had to, she she couldn't wait till that morning. She had to determine in her mind long ago if something like that happens, I'm going into danger to protect these children, and she did. And I hate that we had any loss of life, but it could have been so much worse had there been no mitigation uh, from the headmaster and from the employees there before law enforcement got on the scene. So I'm so proud of I'm so proud of the school's response and the metro's response. I, I'm just sick that. Uh, 
there were so there were six uh, lives lost, but I was just really proud of the response of people. And then you know I'm not even going to get into uh, some of the negativity that other people. That some people are just uh, nuts out there that want to be talking about the response and those kinds of things. It was an amazing response uh, by the school and by uh, Metro PD. So. Very thankful for that. Uh, Mr. Barry, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome back anytime. You're welcome. I, I had fun talking about it. I hate that we had to talk about such a uh, a bad a bad subject, I guess, as far as active shooter, but it's something that needs to be talked about, and we need to address it. We need to be yeah. open about it, and I, I think our listeners will appreciate that. So, listeners, thank you so much for listening to American Steel. Please uh, continue to share this podcast. Uh, I was told recently that it's the most downloaded podcast in the station, so that's fantastic. I'm, I'm excited about that. And please continue to send me your questions and your topics that you'd like to talk about or hear about. And uh, have a great day. And don't forget, we have Mule Day coming up. So enjoy Mule Day. And you're listening to American Steel on WKOM 101.7 here in Columbia, Tennessee. The Mules are back in town. Plan now to attend all four days of Mule Day 2023, Thursday, March 30th through Sunday, April 2nd. The arts and crafts and flea market activities take place at Murray County Park Thursday, Friday, and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sunday hours are 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. The arts and crafts area consists of over 100 vendors with a variety of items that are all handmade by the crafters. You'll find quilts, pottery, ironworks, woodworking items, coins, and much more. Over at the flea market, Market, you'll find 70 more vendors selling a variety of items such as sunglasses, toys, games, clothing and accessories, western apparel, cowboy boots and hats, decor, and lots more. Be sure to stop by the arts and crafts and flea market areas during your visit to Mule Day 2023, March 30th to April 2nd, right here in Columbia. Visit muleday.com for a complete schedule of events. The price of meat has been skyrocketing at the supermarket. So what will you do for your barbecue? 20 ribeyes, $39.99. Today. Today is the last day of the Prime House Direct. Gigantic Prime Steak Chicken Seafood Truckload Sale. 8 a.m. till 7 p.m. Rain or shine. <laughs> at Marvin's. 860 North Ellington Parkway, Lewisburg. Look for the big truck. And the big tent. 20 ribeyes, just $39.99. Cases of fillets. New York strips. Delmonico's. Fullest chicken breast. And even more. Shrimp with wholesale boxes of individual prime portions. Vacuum sealed for long freezer life. Accepting cash, credit, debit card, and DBT. Check out Prime House Direct on Facebook. Stop by and register to win our $1,000 Prime State chicken, pork, and seafood package along with a free freezer. No purchase necessary. 20 ribeyes, $39.99. At Marvin's. 860 North Ellington Parkway, Lewisburg. Today is the last day. 8 a.m. till 7 p.m. Rain or shine. Online at theprimehousedirect.com. Every morning, I park my car across the street from my business, and I can't wait to get in there. That's pretty common for small business owners. We have the added satisfaction, however, of guiding hundreds of families with their retirement, education, savings, and general investments. We're a locally owned business that tries very hard to simplify a complicated world. This is Monty Sneed from Caledonian Financial in Historic downtown Columbia. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Columbia Foodland is a locally owned and operated family grocery store with a full line of dry, dairy, frozen, meat, and produce items. We focus on keeping the freshest hand-cut meat and produce items daily with the most competitive prices in town. We offer weekly ad specials as well as in-store weekly specials throughout the store. Located at 427 West 7th Street in Columbia in the former Harris Foodland location. Columbia Foodland. We are here and ready to serve the wonderful people of Columbia and the surrounding areas. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, MimsModernLandscape.com. That's MimsModernLandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. Looking for a fun event to take the family to? Harmon Scrap Metal is hosting an Easter egg hunt on April 8th from 2 to 4 p.m. at Woodland Park in the Fallen Heroes Shelter. This will be fun for the whole family. We will have food trucks, prizes, and photos with the Easter Bunny. Come on.
on out and support local. Start times vary by age. Visit our Facebook page, Harmon Scrap Metal, for more information. This is Benjamin Sanders with the Columbia Kiwanis Club. Kiwanis is hosting its annual Sporting Clays fundraiser at the Murray County Gun Club on Saturday, April 15th. Columbia Kiwanis supports the Imagination Library in Murray County for children's literacy. Shooters of any age and skill are welcome to shoot, either as a team or an individual. Scholarships are available for youth to participate. Find us on Facebook, check out our website, or call Suzanne Ganser at 615-939-1928. We hope you join us for this great event. This is Trip Stoltz with Columbia Ace Hardware. I love listening to 101.7 WKOM-FM, Columbia, Tennessee.